Well, good morning. It's great to be back at Bromley Road, and can I say it's even better to be back at Bromley Road with God's people in the house. Um, It's always good to be in God's house. It's even better to be in God's house in these days that we've been living in when we can be here together. So I am particularly happy that um, you are here with me this morning and that we can spend this time in worship together. Um, Let me express my thanks to Pastor Rob and to the leadership of the congregation for the opportunity to be back here with you. Uh, I pray simply that God will use me today to just remind us of some very simple things from his word about who he is and how that relates to us. And so before we begin, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together and worship. We know that this is a privilege that we have here in this country that many people around the world do not share. Indeed, for many to be able to name the name of Jesus with freedom is something they've never experienced. But to name the name of Jesus can bring persecution for them. And so we do thank you for the freedom freedom that's ours today. And as we look at your word this morning, we pray that the same Holy Spirit who inspired the prophets and apostles of old to record your word for us would speak to us today and bring these words to life. And so come, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts and our minds and point us to Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read a few verses from First Chronicles chapter 14. This is from the early days of King David's reign, and uh, as we go along, you'll get the flavor of the story and all that's going with it. So let's begin at verse 8 in First Chronicles chapter 14. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went out to meet them. Now the Philistines had come and raided the valley of Rephaim, so David inquired of God, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord answered, Go, I will hand them over to you. So David and his men went up to Baal-perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, As waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand. So that place was called Baal-perazim. The Philistines had abandoned their gods there, and David gave orders to burn them in the fire. Amen. May God bless to us this reading from his word. One day, a bus driver was going about his route. Everything seemed normal, seemed pleasant. There were no... There was no drama for him along the way until at that moment when this great big hulk of a man got on the bus. This guy had to be about 6'8 and probably 300 pounds. And when he got on the bus and the bus driver asked for his fare, the bus driver said, Big John, don't have, don't pay no fare. Well, that disturbed the bus driver, but considering that he was about 5'5", five, five, as thin as a piece of paper and not very strong, he decided that he wouldn't push back with Big John. 
when Big John said, Big John doesn't pay. But the next week, the same thing happened. Big John got on the bus and he said, Big John, don't pay. And he moved to the back of the bus and he took a seat. And the next week, the same thing happened. And the following week, the same thing happened. Every day, every week on the same day, Big John got on the bus and he would look at the bus driver when he looked for a fare and he would say, Big John, don't pay. And so after a while, this bothered the bus driver to the point that he could stand it no longer and he decided he'd do something about it. So he took a course on building self-esteem and self-confidence. He also started to go to the gym and work out and got on an exercise program to build up his strength. And then at the end of the summer, having completed the course and gone through all of his exercise routine, he waited for Big John on that day when Big John would get on the bus. And so that day came. Big John stepped up on the bus, the bus driver asked for a fare, and Big John said, Big John, don't pay. And so the bus driver stood up, got in his face, and he said, why not? To which Big John said, Big John has a bus fare, a bus pass. And so that was the end of that particular battle. Well, in this passage in First uh, Chronicles chapter 14, we read about David at a time early in his uh, kingship when word got out to the Philistines that there was a new king in town. And they saw that as an opportunity to enlarge their tor- territory and extend their rule. And so they decided that they were going to push down on David, and they came in and they attacked certain areas. And when David heard about it, he amassed his army and they went out. But before they uh, took to battle, David did something very significant. It says he inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said to him that he would give him the victory. And so with that confidence, David went into battle. And it's these verses where it talks about the place where the battle took place that stood out for me. When I was reading this in my devotions, I saw this name, Baal Perizim. And it caused me to just pause a little bit and wonder about what it actually means. And literally it means the God who breaks out. And so... As we read about this passage of Scripture, we read about the God who breaks out based on David's quote here where he said, As the water breaks out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand. And the place was called Baal Perizim. Literally, the Lord who breaks out, referring not to the God Baal, but to the God, Jehovah, as the God who breaks out. And it highlights for us, I think, the divine initiative behind David's working, where God is fighting for David. And just in case you don't make this connection, let me make this connection for you. God not only fought for David, but he fights for you. When I read this name and, and did the little bit of homework to figure out what the name meant, it resonated with me because out of my broken background, knowing that there was someone who fought for me made all the hairs, whatever's left of them, stand up on the back of my neck. 
to know that someone would fight for me. God broke out purposefully to respond to the alliances of sin that were coming against David. And historically, we see God breaking out in many different ways, in many different forms, in many different times. So what does a breakout look like? Well, I don't think it's a big stretch to see this name, Baal Perizim, the God who breaks out or the master of breakouts, to see it also as the master or the Lord of the breakthrough. So where do we find the Lord who is the master of the breakthrough in the Scriptures? Well, as I think about the God who broke through, I think about the God who broke through time and space to enter our world from heaven, to take upon himself humanity, become like us in every conceivable way with the exception of one, that he did not sin. He broke through the veil that separated deity from humanity for us. Now let me ask you something. How far would you be prepared to go and how much would you be willing to spend to go and be reconciled with someone who, on the one hand, either doesn't want to be reconciled or, two, doesn't see any need to be reconciled? Well, my hunch is if you're like me, you'd be willing to spend about that much and go about that far. But God spent time and eternity and spent all the best of what he had to give to fight for us. Think about the God who breaks through the wall of sin that separated the lost, the fallen, and the alienated from him because of sin. That's what Jesus did. He broke through, he broke down that wall that separated us by his death and resurrection. In his incarnation, his crucifixion, and his resurrection, he obliterated that wall that separated us from God because of sin. Think about the God who breaks through the the power and the chains of the enemy, who is always whispering in our ear, sometimes quietly, sometimes with a megaphone, about how we don't measure up, that we're not enough, that we don't belong, all the lies that he pours into our hearts through our ears through our minds, to keep us from owning our identity in Christ as children of God. God broke through the power and the chains of the enemy and defeated them by his death and resurrection for us. He fought for us. Think about the God who breaks through false expectations and declares the truth that we are the children of God and that God is at work. I love the song that we just sang that reminds us that even though we can't see it, God is still at work all around us. Think about the God who breaks through our darkness with his marvelous light, his penetrating light in our lives. Well, those are some of the macro pictures of how God broke through for you and for me. Let's think about some of the biblical narratives that speak about how God broke out and God broke through. How about the break out of Egypt by the people of Israel after 400 years in bondage, brought out to the promised land? That is a breakthrough. 
for those people. Think about not only them breaking out of Egypt, but breaking into the promised land, a breakthrough there. For over here, they lived like slaves, and it took at least two generations, 40 years, you could make the case of possibly three generations, for them to stop thinking and living like slaves to start living like free people who are a nation being led by God. Until I break into the promised land. Think about the breakthrough from exile in Babylon after some 70 years in captivity, where God brings them out and they return home. Think about the breakthrough of Pentecost. There's this broken, discouraged band of disciples who've watched the crucifixion of their Savior. They've seen him rise from the dead, and now they're sitting in all the confusion trying to make sense of all that they have just seen and heard, all that has happened to them and to the Messiah, when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit breaks in on that room, and they begin to speak in languages they've never spoken before. And they begin to speak with a boldness, a gospel that penetrates the nations. That's a breakthrough. It resulted in an outpouring in Jerusalem to the extent that we read that thousands upon thousands came to, their, came to faith through the preaching of Peter and the apostles. And we know that they, they touched the life of Jerusalem to such an extent that persecution began to break out in Jerusalem. And when that did, some of the disciples were scattered, like Philip, who went off to Samaria. And in the enthusiasm of his own faith, then began to share the gospel with the Samaritans, forgetting that he wasn't supposed to have contact with them or talk to them. And all of a sudden, revival breaks out in Samaria, and it is so extensive among the Samaritans that... It get, word gets back to the church in the Jerusalem, and they're trying to figure this one out. Samaritans, how do they get to be believers? Because you'll remember the history between Samaritans and Jews, that the Jews considered the Samaritans heretics who had gone astray. To the extent that if you wandered into their territory, you were to literally wipe the dust off of your feet to acknowledge that you had been an unclean land among unclean people. And the Holy Spirit falls on the Samaritans and shows up in the same way that he showed up in Jerusalem. And so the Jerusalem church sends up a delegation to see if this breakout of the Holy Spirit is kosher or not. And lo and behold, what do they discover? But it's the same Holy Spirit who influenced them, worked in them, is now at work in the Samaritans. And it's so important a message because they walk away with this very clear message from God. There is one Lord, one church, one Holy Spirit who makes us one. There won't be a Jerusalem church of Jews and a Samaritan church of Samaritans. And it gets played out even further when in Antioch, they break out of Antioch under the influence of the Holy Spirit and begin the first intentional cross-cultural mission since Jonah. With the message, there is one Lord, one church, one Holy Spirit who makes us one, not a Jewish church in Jerusalem, not a Samaritan church in Samaria, not a Gentile church in the Gentile lands. There is one Lord over all the church, bound by one Spirit. And it was that same Spirit at work in the Samaritans as it was in Jerusalem. And then we see the power of that breakout 
as under Paul and Barnabas' ministry, we see churches being established throughout Asia Minor as God began to move in the world. Our God is a God who brings breakthroughs, who breaks out on a regular basis. He is the master of the breakthrough. Our God is a God who brings breakthroughs when it seems like the tide has shifted against us. He's the God of breakthroughs when it feels like hope is fleeting, when it looks like defeat is inevitable, when our strength is all but but gone, God breaks through. And he usually does it using ordinary people to do extraordinary things by living ordinary lives through his extraordinary power. Let me say it again. He usually does it using ordinary people to do extraordinary things by living ordinary lives through his extraordinary power. That's usually how God works. And he is never early, and he's never late. He's always on time. Our God is the master of the breakthrough. Now let me just remind you of some of the ordinary people that God has used in breakthroughs and breakouts. How about a common monk who grew so dissatisfied with a work's righteousness that it drove him to the scriptures where he discovered the doctrines of grace? And in Martin Luther, a reformation began individually that would become a reformation in the church globally. Think about a common preacher in Scotland by the name of John Knox, of whom it was said that Mary, Queen of Scots, feared his preaching more than all the armies of Europe. Think about a pastor, professor, who when he spoke in his church, it was said that he, he preached in a monotone. And yet the Holy Spirit broke out in his ministry, and Jonathan Edwards became one of the catalysts of the Great Awakening. Think about a man who barely passed the membership exam of his church, who then went on to be one of the greatest evangelists of the last 200 years, in D.L. Moody, who paved the way for another great evangelist, Billy Graham. Those are the kinds of names that come out of our history in the church, but there's also some names in the history of mission that we'd need to remember as well. I think about a common cobbler. He described himself as a plotter. He didn't, he didn't consider himself as being a person who had a lot of skill, but he knew how to stick to a task and get it done, and so he called himself a plotter. When he first went to his... Uh, church district meetings and announced that he believed that God was calling him to go to India to reach the lost, one of the um, giants of the district stood up in the meeting and said, young man, if God wants the heathen saved, he'll do it without you. But that man, William Carey, became the father of modern-day missions. 
I think about a man who was rejected on a number of occasions by mission boards in London and in the UK, who eventually would go to China and discover that all the missionaries were located on the coastal areas of China and nobody was penetrating inland and became such a burden on his heart that he shook off Western robe and and even grew the, the, the Asian cue in his hair and off he went into the in, inland of China and pioneered gospel work from which came the China Inland Mission, now Overseas Missionary Fellowship. As God broke out in inland China. Do you know one of the, the people who first received the gospel through OMF missionaries once uh, in response said, how long have you known about this Jesus? And sheepishly the missionary told him we've known for almost 2,000 years and the response from the recipient was, well, what took you so long to tell us? God used an ordinary man in Hudson Taylor to do extraordinary, extraordinary things in opening up China. I think about a common housekeeper who was rejected by missions, but who was accepted by a missionary in China saying, I'd love to have you come, but you have to get yourself here. And so this common housekeeper embarked on a, on a voyage that would take her through rough terrain, through bandits, through soldiers, through you name it. Just getting to China itself was a story in itself for Gladys Aylward, who then went on to have a profound ministry in China, and her life was made popular by Ingrid Bergman in the movie The End of the Sixth Happiness. Some of you will have seen that, but that's the story of Gladys Aylward a common housekeeper that God used to share the gospel in China. I think about a common millwoman, a Scottish millwoman, who believed that God was calling her to Africa. And so she, inspired by David Livingston, went where no European had ever set foot before in Africa and opened up the Calabar in Nigeria for the gospel and saw lives changed and transformed. And I think about a physically weak Peter Cameron Scott, who with the Church Mission Society went to Africa and within a couple of years contracted malaria and found himself convalescing back in Britain. And during that time went to Westminster Cathedral where he saw a verse from Jonathan Edwards quoted from the scripture where he said, Other sheep have I from another flock. And that became a catalyst in Peter Cameron Scott's heart for going back to Africa with a vision of developing mission outposts from coastal Africa, which again was where most of the missionaries were located, to inland Africa. And he wanted to go from coastal Kenya in as far as Lake Chad. And within a couple of years, he had established 14 mission outposts between coastal Kenya and Lake Chad. Unfortunately, a short time thereafter, he would give up his life through the same sickness that had convalesced him back to Britain before. But the vision of reaching Africans in the inland of Africa carried on, and there was born the Africa Inland Mission through Peter Cameron Scott, physically weak, 
but God using an ordinary man to do extraordinary things. And that's been God's pattern, using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Now, you may be sitting here or at home today and thinking, well, I'm ordinary, but I don't expect the extraordinary in terms of God using me. But let me just say to you, don't short sell yourself. There are people that God has placed in your world whose lives can be touched by your life by a simple gesture, a simple word, a simple relationship. Maybe you're here today and you're at a place like David where you feel like the enemy is amassed with his army against you. A place where you feel discouraged or dismayed or defeated. Maybe you're living with fear and anxiety about the future. Maybe you're just here and you're needing a breakthrough in your life. Maybe you're feeling alone, broken, without hope. In those circumstances, David had one response. He prayed. Verse 10 tells us, so David inquired of the Lord. Verse 14, so David inquired of the Lord. So here's the challenge. Can we hold on in prayer and trust God to bring the breakthrough in his timing? Maybe it's a breakthrough for Bromley Road as a church. Maybe it's a breakthrough for you as an individual. But can we lean into the Lord today and trust him to bring the breakthrough in his perfect timing? Can we trust when the breakthrough that he brings doesn't look like or fit into our expectations and yet receive it and grow with it as God breaks out in our midst? Our God, one of the things that strikes me about this place name in David's story, Baal Perizim, is God who breaks out is our God is not a God who can be contained. He will break out. Does our world need a breakout today of the Lord? I think so. And I think there's so many of us in the church today are waiting for a breakout in our own lives of God's Spirit moving within us. And we're simply called to pray, to wait on the one who is the master of the breakthroughs. This month we recognize that we have a very unique position in Canada and in the West and that we can go to church, we can exercise our faith with liberty. We know that Christ is victorious and ultimately will be ultimately victorious over all the world, and we have experienced victories in our lives where he's broken out for us. But we also recognize that there are many people today around the world for whom persecution is the norm. There are some 300 million Christians, 300 million Christians who live in places where they face persecution. That's about one in every eight believers. And the number's growing. 
They suffer harassment, detention, legal restrictions, theft of property, rape, violence, even death for their faith in Jesus. You probably read in the news not that long ago that there were a number of missionaries in Somalia who were taken and thrown in prison for their faith. That's a regular occurrence. Not many of us live in those kinds of places where we have to suffer persecution for our faith, but many do. And maybe today, as we think about the God who is the God of breakthroughs, we could pray for breakthroughs in these places of the world where to name the name of Jesus gets you in trouble. Yes, our religious freedoms are being trimmed these days in Canada, but it's nothing compared to other places in the world. Can we pray for God to break through in these places? Because we know that God can make a difference. He can make a difference in individual lives. He can make a difference in the lives of communities. He can make a difference in the lives of nations when our hearts are turned towards him. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to pray first and foremost today for those who are here and who are in need of a breakthrough in their own lives. You know the particulars. For some, it's a breakthrough of joy that they need. For some, it's a breakthrough of hope. For some, it's a breakthrough in their families. For some, it's a breakthrough at work. Wherever that need exists, Lord, will you meet it and by your Spirit break through? And I pray for Bromley Road Church that they, in, in the coming days and seasons of ministry, would experience a breakthrough from you that opens doors for ministry that they could not have imagined would open, but have opened to them, and then give them the faith to walk through those doors. And I pray, Lord, that in each of our lives... we would have the patience in prayer to wait upon you for those breakthroughs. And when they come in a form that we didn't expect, give us the grace to receive them and grow with them. As you work out your holy purposes in our generation. Oh, Lord, come. We need a breakthrough in this world, in this country, <coughs> in this province, in this city. <clears throat> come, move by your Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.